Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. What are four ways incredibly busy people can get some quiet time? Hello, everyone. Kevin Cruz here. And in just a minute, we're going to talk about why the busier you are, the more you need quiet time. But first, congratulations to all of you for being lifelong learners and proactive with your careers. You turn on the LeadX show when you tie your sneakers in the morning to go out for that morning jog, or maybe you turn on the LeadX show when you turn on your car and head out for your commute. Either way, whenever you listen, you know LeadX will help you to stand out and get ahead. Tell your friends at work, LeadX is the smartest way to start your day. And big thanks to all of you who last week uh, subscribed to the LeadX show on iTunes and left a rating and short review. That only takes a minute, but it's the best favor you can do for me. And the career tip of the day is charity work. You should fill any gaps in your employment, you know, when you're in between jobs, by volunteering for one of your favorite charities. I ran into a friend last week. She let me know that she had been uh, let go from a long-time position, and she had been uh, unemployed for a couple of months. And I was asking her about her dream job, what she wanted to do next. And she described it, but then said she was expecting an offer at any minute from not a dream job, and she was going to accept it. Uh, and I said, why would you do that? You know, this is your chance to really uh, alter your career path. And she said she'd already been unemployed for a couple of months and she was afraid about showing that gap in employment on the resume. And I suggested that, yeah, you know, the gaps in employment don't look great. But if you can volunteer for 10, 20, 40 hours a week at your favorite local charity, you certainly can put that work on your resume and explain to the next hiring manager or recruiter that you know you decided to take your time to wait for just the right perfect position. So whatever it is that you like to do, whatever your whatever organization you like to support, think about supporting them with extra hours when you have extra time between jobs. Remember charity work. So we have two guests today. He is a Truman National Security Fellow and public policy consultant. He, he's been a regular meditation teacher on Capitol Hill, where he's also served as a legislative director for three different members of Congress. She is a former nonprofit executive director and today is an organizational consultant, coach, and organizer of retreats for leading universities and federal agencies. He is Justin Tabit Zorn. She is Lee Mars. Welcome, Justin. Welcome, Lee. Hi. Thanks. thanks so much for having us. Oh, my pleasure. And now this is a little different. You know, I, I reached out to both of you because I stumbled on your wildly popular article on uh, Harvard Business Review on HBR uh, titled The Busier You Are, The More You Need Quiet Time. And it clearly struck a chord with a lot of people. And, and you, your premise at the beginning of the article, you say great thinkers and great thinking requires us to get beyond the noise. So why do you say that? Kevin, you know, I personally learned this one the hard way. Having worked in quite a few chaotic and crazy settings, including <laughs> you mentioned Capitol Hill, I noticed that that constant chatter in the workplace or cable news blaring would just undermine my own capacity to do deeper creative thinking, the kind of work that's really needed right now. 
Um, so many of us know we're drowning in information and starving for knowledge these days. And we were really inspired by a book, actually, Cal Newport's recent book, Deep Work, where he talks about how folks like J.K. Rowling and Walter Isaacson and Carl Jung, even back in the early 20th century, had these incredibly disciplined practices for getting away from all of the noise in order to really tune into their intuition, really dig into their research, and then get into these moments of flow. And silence struck us as the common denominator to getting into those moments of flow, getting into that kind of deep work. Uh, we also th thought about some others we know who have um, meditation practices. Someone who's been a, a mentor to me, Congressman Tim Ryan from Ohio and Ray Dalio and, and uh, Bill George and Jerry Brown and others who've been very successful in the worlds of business and politics, who've also developed in the modern age these, these practices for cultivating silence in order to do higher quality work. Now, I didn't realize that Tim Ryan uh, practices meditation and uh, there are others on Capitol Hill like Tim. I mean, is there a group that forms or you sort of uh, they do their own thing? They have their own way. You know, it's not super popular yet on Capitol Hill, but there is a group, as you may have, as you may have noticed, not super popular yet. But there is a group uh, it's sometimes called the Quiet Time Caucus that meets and, and meditates regularly. That's great. Both staff and members of Congress. Quiet Time Caucus. I like that. Yeah. With all of that, our own experience, we also started looking around at the science to see what what is the science telling us about the need for silence. And so there is a good amount of science kind of bubbling up and more on the way that that really links silence to development of new cells in the hippocampus. That's some stuff coming out at Duke University. And um, looking at the impact of music and even all different categories of music, they inserted little bits of silence um, and then measured that impact on the cardiovascular and respiratory system and found that it was the silent segments and not the relaxing, <laughs> the ones we thought would be, you know, the relaxing segments that really helped uh, rejuvenate um, the cardiovascular and respiratory systems. And that these workplaces, you know, we have workplaces, these open um, workplaces so people can collaborate and exchange ideas. And it sounds really great. And I actually, as a collaboration consultant, probably prior to seeing all this science on it, the research on it, um, promoted that. But really what people tell us and my, my uh, clients have been telling me this for some time is that there's um, a lot of distractions associated with that kind of an office plan and that the disadvantages are far <laughs> outweigh the anticipated, but still totally unproven anyway, um, advantages that we were anticipating there for collaboration. Yeah, Lee, that's interesting on the open office space environment, because um, it certainly seems to be, you know, beyond just a fad, it's a trend. I, I'm hearing routinely from, you know, Fortune 500 companies that are switching over to open office environments. And I myself, with my previous startups, had a fairly open office plan and, and used to sort of be a proponent of it. But I'm I'm hesitating because, it, yes, it, I mm -hmm. think it can save the organization some money on real estate. And I mm -hmm. think it might um, contribute to team communication. But the downside, like I said, is individual productivity and maybe even employee engagement. I mean, I, I don't really meet that many people who enjoy losing their cube or office and, and sitting in that open space. 
Yeah, the, the Journal of Environmental Psychology did a huge survey of 43,000 workers. And what they found is that they might talk more often with their colleagues, but it's really quite surface uh, communication. So because you don't really feel like you can drop in deeply when everyone's listening. So right, right. there are some real problems there. And so, you know, when we're talking about all of this noise, you know, at work and being so busy, are we really talking about you know, noise that we can hear, uh, uh, you know, in the open office, or are you guys also talking about, you know, getting quiet in other ways? It's a good question, Kevin. It's a really good question. And, you know, for me personally, I can think of so many occasions where I'd get home after a really busy day being surrounded by a whole lot of noise and just be so happy to finally get some quiet time. And then I find that I can't quiet my own mental chatter. My mind is running. So what we're talking about here in this article isn't just about getting into quiet places, though that's really important, but cultivating a deeper kind of quiet time, time when we don't have to talk, time when we don't have to be funny or we don't have to sound <laughs> smart, time when we can just be. Uh, what we say in the article, Kevin, is that real sustained silence, having these real practices, creating that silence of the kind that facilitates clear and creative thinking – quiets the inner chatter as well as the outer chatter. Yeah, Justin, this, <laughs> you really you hit a button uh, for me too, because, you know, as a, I'm a massive introvert. And so, of course, you know, I, I can be on, but then I need some time uh, to recover. And it's, uh, you know, I do this daily podcast show and I actually stack them. So I do, I did about 10 yesterday and I'll do about eight today. And there's, uh, it's not so much the, the talking or the listening or the actual noise, but what you said, it's sort of thinking about what to say next or having to, to, uh, have the voice in my head processing the whole time. And, and when after these two days, I don't think I'll speak out loud again for about five, but, um, this has to be co a common occurrence in the workplace too everybody has to feel on, whether they're with their boss or trying to be a leader, setting a good example. Is that making sense? That's right. And one way that we think about it is that constant need to be on, that constant need to think of what to say next, of what to write next, what to tweet next, that creates this pressure and it creates this kind of fullness, this lack of space. And then in turn, it becomes tough to really listen, to really take in different perspectives or new ideas. So for us, generating this kind of silence is about being able to get into those deeper modes of attention. And we think it's in those deeper modes that really good new ideas are found. Yeah, this is making a lot of sense. And I'm sure our listeners are saying, okay, sure, we get it. You know, we need to, to quiet the chatter. We need quiet time. But what, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to get some? So what are some practical ways busy people can, can get more quiet? One of the things we love um, to point out is that these meetings that start at two o'clock in the afternoon, say, and then the next one starts at three, and they they start like on the hour, and you're supposed to be sort of at two places at once. <laughs> these things are not, but that's just not working for us. In a way, therapists and the agile community has had have it figured out a long time ago by off, by putting in a little buffer for a right. transition. Uh, so you can actually be at the next place fresh and maybe even integrate what you just experienced and have some time to reflect. 
so Justin's done some of that work in Capitol Hill, uh, helping people schedule a little better. Yeah, Justin? A little bit. And I've even <laughs> met, you know, folks in, in high levels of government agencies and in business who've really tried this practice that, that Lee just described of being able to punctuate these meetings with just five minutes of quiet time, you know, being able to close the office door. And maybe it's a meditation practice. Maybe it's just sitting there being quiet, letting the mind wander a little bit. That makes a lot of sense. I, uh, in some of the productivity work I do, you know, the, the two big things people complain about when it comes to what interferes with your productivity, it's either email or meetings. And I'm with you. Even the simple practice, as you say, of, you know, leaving an extra, you know, if you have a one hour meeting, that really means you're ending at five or 10 minutes before the hour, realizing that people need you know, some buffer time to flow to their next meeting or back to their office. And whether that's rest and recovery or, uh, Lee, as you said, you know, kind of anchor and process into, you know, memory, some of what was just discussed or the, or this, the decisions uh, would be huge. So I, I love that idea. Well, what's something else that we could try? Another thing we love to encourage people to do is to get out in nature and really mm. to connect in and in, even really go big and, and take an afternoon walk of a couple hours, leave the phone behind. And, um, and so one of the conferences that I set up regularly with a group of cross-sector group, they do a lot of deep thinking about how to get harmful chemicals out of our homes and environments. But we, on purpose, uh, designed a three-hour, four-hour, some days chunk for people to just get out into nature and to drop in and connect to the reason really why we're doing all this hard work <laughs> to get chemicals out of our homes and environments. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's right. And like I said, leave the phone, <laughs> leave the phone behind. So you're not bringing the noise into nature. <laughs> exactly. And you know, you could take that to a further extent and try to bring it into our lives in, in a, a longer term way by trying out a media fast you know, taking an afternoon or maybe a weekend with no phone or email, which I know some of your guests have tried before, <laughs> Kevin, and spoken about. But then there's really the opportunity to take the plunge, something both Lee and I have done on different occasions, of going on a meditation retreat. And, you know, contrary to the conventional wisdom, these aren't so much about withdrawing from society and mimicking the monastic life and <laughs> forgetting all your worldly cares. You know, the goal is really to just get beneath that everyday verbal auditory track, that channel that we're talking about where stress resides and get into a deeper place of being being able to listen, being able to hear real intuition. Yeah, it, it's almost like um, I mean, we are just so barraged, as you said, with the, with the noise uh, <laughs> every day and even at home. I'm all, I, I'm just so curious, like if I went on a multi-day meditation retreat, I think I would be shocked at how my brain would react. And, and I assume it would be in a good way, but I have a feeling it'd be like, oh, this is what it feels like to be human or normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't be the first to be shocked by that. Absolutely. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you know, in less, um, less probably powerful than the meditation retreat, but maybe a little more practical. Have either of you experimented with things like that Muse headband where you can sort of develop your meditation uh, skills even even at home? You know, I haven't used the headband. I'm still a little old school in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, sometimes when talking about developing these meditation skills or especially going on a retreat, it can sound daunting. It can sound out there. But at the end of the day, it can really be very simple. 
you know, scheduling a little bit of time in an afternoon to meditate. And by meditation, we don't mean levitating or bending spoons, <laughs> but just finding some time to watch the thoughts, just stay with the breath. As you mentioned, Kevin, just get back to those basic fundamental aspects of the experience of being human. Right, right. So this is such an important topic, and a great. And again, thanks for writing the article that started, you know, uh, to to put some attention on this topic and, and coming on this show. You know, before we wrap up, I always like to challenge our listeners to get just a little bit better every single day. So I'm hoping you guys can give us a challenge. You know, what can we do today to you know get a little bit better? That's a great question. I think that for your listeners to pay attention, like. Bring some awareness to what are the signals that they are getting in that too busy place. What are the things that they're doing or noticing perhaps about how they feel or sort of habits that emerge in those times so that they can kind of catch themselves and then find some other habit that works a little better. So I'll give you an example. I notice I'm not a terribly irritable person, (laughs) but when, when irritability arises in me, when I notice I'm just like a little short, shorter with my family or something like that, then I know it's time to do something. It's time to find some silence or some quiet to replenish. Wow. And what I like about um, what you just said, Leah, listeners, I think, you know, that, that magic word was awareness. It all starts with just becoming uh, aware. And I know you know, most of the time I'm pretty chill. I'm pretty zenned out as my kids would say, but my kids are also my triggers or more, more than, you know, if, if I'm gonna, something's gonna happen, it's often my kids. And to break that though, it needs to take that awareness of starting to feel the tenseness in my shoulders or uh, my breathing to get a little, a, a little heavier. And uh, so I think that's great just to, to pause and, um, you know, start with being mindful of it when it happens. Did you want to uh, add anything, Justin? You know, I would say, you know, building on what Lee just shared, I would say something really simple, which is just schedule some quiet, unstructured time. Mm. We often feel like every moment of the day needs to be filled with being busy in order to meet our responsibilities to be productive. But I'm always amazed if I can just schedule 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, maybe even an hour of unstructured time in a quiet place where I can just see what arises in terms of insight, in terms of new ideas of things to pursue, in terms of relationships to invest in or cultivate, that scheduling of unstructured quiet time is such a gift for me. And it's easier to do than I often assume. Wow, I'm glad you you ended with that idea, Justin. And and for those of you out there who are like, you know, easier said than done, I'm running every, every minute. You know, I was, um, at two executive uh, meetings just in the last week. And when I asked, you know, what would they all want if they had a little more time, uh, they all responded saying free time in the day to think, you know, to think strategically, to think creatively. Um, and many highly successful entrepreneurs and CEOs I know, CEO of you know, LinkedIn, Reid Hoffman, stuff, talk about scheduling those buffer times in their day. And for those of you out there like saying, it just ain't going to work, I encourage you to just try it. Do it as an experiment, exactly as Justin said. Schedule right on your calendar. Your admin, no one else needs to know that you're hiding in your office or going for a walk in the woods. They don't need to know. Just put important appointment for 30 or 60 minutes. Try it for a few days and, and see if you aren't coming up with some real game-changing ideas for your company, for your team, and for, for yourself. So, Justin and Lee, I want to thank you for coming on to the LeadX show. And will you guys both tell our listeners how they can find out 
more about you and your work? Sure. Um, you can go to my website, which is my name, leemars.com, and you'll find out a little bit more about the different groups I work with and um, stuff we're up to. And Justin and I are also, this has been such an exciting response that we're uh, cooking up a book for you nice. all with all kinds of, uh, of things, tools to apply. And um, so look out for that. Excellent. We're really excited about that, and, and I write about productivity and mindfulness, uh, but also politics and economics at Harvard Business Review, Washington Post, Time, and other places, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at just Justin Zorn. Looking forward to connecting with a lot of the listeners, and really thankful to you, Kevin, for hosting us and for hosting this great show. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Friends, you've just been mentored by Justin Tabit Zorn and Lee Mars. Don't forget, you can get the links they just mentioned and, of course, all the show notes from this interview over at leadx.org. And while that's it for this episode, don't forget you can also download our free ebook, Richard Branson's Seven Secrets to Leadership, over at leadx.org forward slash Branson. And until next time, remember, Leadership is actually not a choice. You're a leader whether you want to be or not, because leadership is about influence, not authority. You influence with your words, and you influence people with your silence. You influence people when you take action, but you're influencing people when you choose to be a bystander. There's no in-between. You're always influencing those around you. We are all leaders. Today, lead with intent. Intent.